Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and if you're new to the Style School, I just want to say a big welcome. We are so happy that you have found us. Today, as we are heading into the hot, humid, sticky season of summer, I know some of you are already there, but we're going to talk about how to look good when it's hot outside, when your makeup is running, when your clothes are wilting, when you don't want layers, heck, you'd probably rather be naked if it wasn't illegal. How do you look good? That's what we're talking about today. In Lessons from Linda, I'm sharing the story of a Linda who put off hiring me until she reached her goals, and we will see how that worked out. I have a feeling if you've listened to the show before, you know how this is going to work out. In vocabulary, we are doing another one of our what's the difference between kind of things, and this time we're talking about shirts, blouses, tops, and tees. What's the difference? How do you know what you're looking for? How do you know where to find it? We'll talk about it. And also today we are starting a new segment. I hope you liked history class in school because I'll be rotating in fashion history with philosophy and current events. The goal is to share with you some contributions to fashion or unsung heroes you may not be aware of, and I am really excited for our first segment. Before we get started though, your homework from the last full episode was to come up with your three style guideposts that describe the way you want to look and guide your wardrobe. I would love to hear what they are, and there is a post on our Facebook page, so head on over and chime in. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Style with Jen, or head to the show notes on our website for the link. Okay, let's kick things off as we always do with Lessons from Linda. Today's Linda was someone I knew professionally and socially for years. Every time we saw each other, she said, I'm going to hire you when I lose five more pounds. Every time I'd smile and say, great, looking forward to it. Or she'd say something like, I really need your help, but I want to lose these last five pounds. And I'd say, well, you know where to find me when you're ready. And so it went on and on over and over for years. To be totally honest with you, I just thought Linda didn't want to work with me and didn't want to hurt my feelings. By the way, it's totally fine not to work with me. You can be my acquaintance and friend forever and not hire me. That's totally cool. But every single time she saw me, she had to say she was going to hire me when those last five pounds were tackled. One day I got an email that said, help, I just got a new job and I need clothes. Can we go shopping? Getting a new job, I know you've heard this on the show before, is something that pushes women into upping their wardrobe, even if they're not ready, even if those last five pounds have not come off. And for that, I am so grateful to all of those new jobs. Anything that gives you the kick in the style pants you need is a good thing. Anyway, Linda filled out the pre-service questionnaire and on it, she said she wore a size 12 or 14. She didn't wear any special sizing like talls or petites, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. We met up and we started shopping. And as always, I had the feeling that Linda didn't know what size she wore. So I started pulling 10s and some 12 petites, which fit size-wise like a regular 10. We're going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. Now, even though I had known Linda for years, I had no idea what her body looked like because she always wore really shapeless, baggy clothes that hid any clue. I just kind of took a guess. I could tell what she was wearing was too big, but I had no idea what was under there. Now, when I used to shop with clients, I would send them off to focus on finding things they liked while I focused on pulling things they need. It was a great way for me to get a sense of their style, and it was also a way for me to be able just to work quickly on the things we need without having to talk a lot. 
So Linda went and she grabbed a whole bunch of stuff, all size 12s and 14s. And I grabbed my 10s and 12s petites and we hit the fitting rooms. She put on a pair of her size 14 pants. She put those on first and they almost fell off of her. She said, I think these might need a belt. Uh, no, Linda, they don't need a belt. They need to actually fit you. She was absolutely swimming in these pants. I had actually grabbed the same pants in a 12 petite, which size wise, again, is equivalent to a size 10. So we were going from a 14 to a 10 and she put them on. And while she wasn't drowning in them anymore, I could still pinch a big fold of fabric right at the back of her waistband. So I went back to grab a 10 petite. She was under a 5'3", so she really should have been exclusively shopping petites, but that's another story for another day. And on a whim, I grabbed the 8 petite as well. I went back and gave her the 10 petite and it was close, but still a little bit roomy. I handed her the eight petite and she said, there is no way those will fit. I haven't been in an eight since before I had kids. She put them on, buttoned and zipped them and they fit like an absolute dream. The look on her face was priceless. I took every single piece of clothing that we had brought into the fitting room and put it back on the rack and we started over. We shopped for eight petite pants. She put back her large tops. I put back my medium tops that I had pulled and she ended up in smalls and some small petites. I took a picture of her in one of the outfits that we put together and then she bought. And then again, when she had put her own clothes back on, the difference was absolutely shocking. She looked smaller, obviously, but she also looked more youthful and more confident. And the smile on her face honestly was just unmistakable. She was thrilled. It was one of my favorite Linda transformations. And there are two things I want you to take away from my time with her. First of all, five pounds was never the problem. Now, Linda was a small person, so five pounds could make a difference in how her clothes fit, but there is never a situation where five pounds makes the difference between you looking like Kate Moss from the 90s and you looking like Ursula the Sea Witch from Little Mermaid, at least not in real life. However, in our mind mirrors, this is exactly what happens. The mind mirror is what happens when you stop using objective data, like how your clothes fit or what size you actually wear, and instead go with what your mind thinks and sees. Almost every woman I have ever worked with was using a broken mind mirror, the kind that reacts to a five-pound weight gain by putting on clothes that are three sizes too big. Then what happens is you look in the real mirror and you see a frumpy, shapeless mess, and that image gets imprinted on your brain and you accept that as reality. It's a terrible cycle. It would never occur to you that the problem is that your clothes are too big. Your faulty mind mirror tells you that it's your body that's too big. Stop shopping with your mind mirror. Stop getting dressed using your mind mirror. Use your actual mirror. You might just be surprised at the results. It's probably a whole lot better than you think it is. The second thing I want you to take away is that you don't need to wait for a major life event to up your style game. There doesn't have to be a reason. I want to feel good is reason enough. I want to have fun with style is reason enough. Months later, Linda told me that she wished she had reached out to me sooner. And while I love hearing that because it's always nice to know that I've helped make someone's life better, it also makes me a little sad. Again, I'm sad for the years that Linda spent not feeling fabulous, not loving family pictures, hell, not being in family pictures. 
because you want to feel good about yourself is reason enough to go and buy clothes that make you feel good. Wanting to feel confident is reason enough. Wanting to have fun with style is reason enough. That is good enough. If you are putting it off, don't wait. You are good enough and you deserve it just as you are five pounds or not. Okay, let's move on to the word of the week. Today, we've got another What's the Difference episode, and this time we're tackling shirts, blouses, tops, and tees. Again, just like all of these that we do, it's important to remember that even if there are technical differences, stores call things whatever they want to call them. So why bother? Well, I'm going to give you my definitions, and that will hopefully help you navigate websites a little easier and know what you're getting or even what to look for. When you are searching by category on just about any women's clothing website, you're going to come across these four terms, sometimes in separate categories, sometimes grouped together, totally grouped together randomly. For example, on Loft's website, tops is listed as a main category, and under that you can click on shirts and blouses, that's one category, tees is another category, and then tanks and camis is another one. On J. Crew, shirts and tops are grouped together, and tees and tanks are another, and blouses can be accessed as a subcategory under shirts and tops. On Gap, shirts and tops are a category, tees are another, and blouses aren't an option whatsoever. But at their sister site, Old Navy, tees are their own category, tops are their own category, and then blouses and shirts are grouped together as a category. So clearly with all of these examples, I can't imagine why people would be confused, right? Okay, let's see if we can clear it up just a little. Let's take tees out of the running. Tees means t-shirts. In that category on any website, you should find knit tops that have a basic t-shirt shape. Some put knit tops with details like a Henley neckline in there or a tie waist or maybe a flutter sleeve. These are the things that I would call beyond basics. But if you buy something from a category labeled tees, you will get a casual knit top. I am fairly certain of that. I would put money on that wager. We can also clear up blouses pretty quickly. These are tops that are woven and on the dressier side. They can be any sleeve length, any style. And while button-up dress shirts are technically blouses, you're probably more likely to find them under shirts. Shirts and blouses are often grouped together because they're both wovens. So if you get a tee, nine times out of 10, you're looking at knits. If you get shirts or blouses, nine times out of 10, you're looking at a woven. So the really tricky one is tops. And what is a top? Well, a top is any garment that goes on the top half of your body, according to the examples that I just gave you. A top can literally be anything a retail says that it is. Some retailers have them with the wovens, like J. Crew. Some people put them with the knits, I think like Gap. So here is my definition. A top is something that is dressier than a tee, but doesn't hit the formality of a blouse. This season in the capsule guide, we have three tops. They're meant to be a level up from knit tees and tanks, but they should still be able to go with denim shorts and casual sandals. So just to recap, tees theoretically should always be knits. Shirts and blouses should theoretically always be wovens and tops are the wild card. But tops are a good place to start when you're searching to look for items that have more personality than a tee, but are less dressy than a blouse. I hope that helps. Okay, let's move on to our new segment, history. 
couple of months ago, I ran across a little article online and I thought, ooh, that's interesting. I should share that on my show. But it didn't fit in with philosophy and it certainly wasn't a current event. So I wasn't sure where to put it. So I just didn't. Then a few weeks ago, one of those little clickbait ads popped up on my Facebook feed for one of those history of fashion articles. And I thought, hey, wait a second. It's your podcast. Why not just create a new segment called history? So that's what we're doing. Welcome to Fashion History, where I will be sharing important, overlooked, or sometimes both contributions to fashion as we know it. I wanted to highlight a woman of color in our first history segment, and this woman was a trailblazer who was responsible for designing the wedding dress of one of fashion's biggest icons. Anne Lowe was born in 1898 in Alabama and was the granddaughter of a plantation owner and a slave. She learned to sew from her grandmother and her mother, who were both seamstresses for Alabama society women. When Anne was 16, her mother died, leaving four unfinished ball gowns for the First Lady of Alabama, which Anne finished. She continued sewing for Alabama's biggest society women, and in 1917, she enrolled in design school in New York. And because the school was segregated, she had to attend classes and work in a room all by herself. Incidentally, she left her husband, who wanted her to quit sewing and stay at home, so she was a pioneer in many ways. She launched her very first dress boutique in Florida and then returned to New York a decade later, designing on commission for stores like Neiman, Saks, and Henry Vendel. When Olivia de Havilland accepted her Oscar for Gone with the Wind, she was wearing a dress that was designed by Anne Lowe, but it was designed for Shea Sonia, and the label inside said Sonia Rosenberg. Tired of not seeing her name on the label, yes and yes, we hear you, she opened Anne Lowe Gowns on Lexington Avenue in 1950. One thing I really respect about Anne Lowe is that she knew exactly who she wanted to design for and she wasn't ashamed of it. She was choosy about who she designed for and who wore her clothes. She said, and I quote, I am not interested in sewing for cafe society or social climbers. I do not cater to Mary and Sue. I sew for the families of the social register. She dressed Rockefellers and DuPonts and lots of other famous families, including a young Jacqueline Bouvier. Anne Lowe designed the wedding dress Jackie wore to marry John F. Kennedy. While the New York Times described the dress in great detail, sadly, it didn't mention the name of the designer at all all. And when we think of Jackie Kennedy and fashion designers, we often think of Oleg Cassini, Bill Blass, and Valentino. But it was Anne Lowe who designed the most important dress of a lot of women's lives. She retired from fashion in 1972 and passed away in 1981. Her dresses are on display at New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art in the Costume Institute and in Washington, D.C.'s National Museum of African American History and Culture. Also, if you want a fun book to add to your kiddos bookshelf, there's a book called Fancy Party Gowns, the story of fashion designer Ann Cole Lowe that shares her history. I will link to a bunch of articles on Ann Lowe and this book in the show notes that you can find at youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 55. I hope you enjoyed our first history lesson. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to look good when you are melting. We'll be right back. You know that old saying, teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish and he'll eat forever? That's what the All Access membership is. It's teaching you how to fish. Imagine walking into a store and knowing what colors are best for you. 
Imagine walking into a fitting room without a giant pile of clothes, hoping something will work because you already know the cuts and styles that'll work for you. Imagine opening your closet and feeling excited instead of overwhelmed by what's in there. The all access membership gives you the tools to make all of those things happen. Plus, you get access to our member community on Facebook, where you get to hang out with like-minded women, and I'm there to answer your style questions every single week. This is the best investment you can make in your style this year. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 55 to get started. And now back to the show. Friends, summer is upon us, and most women love summer. The lazy pace, vacations, ice cream, the beach, but we hate to dress for it, and it's no wonder. Looking put together is difficult. Cute outfits are too hot. You're sweaty, you don't want to pile on accessories, and you can forget about layering, am I right? But that doesn't mean you have to give up style and fabulousness until the fall. Today, I'm going to share five ways to look stylish, even when you're melting. First of all, focus on fit and condition. When everything is stripped away, all the layers, all the textures, all the accessories, what's left is the fit and condition of your clothes. And without those things to distract the eye, fit and condition have to be on point. I understand that during these hot, humid months, you may not want fitted clothing right next to your body, and I totally hear you. But don't take it to the extreme and go in the opposite direction. Look for cuts that are flowy, not clothes that are too big. Clothes that fit you properly are the number one easiest way to look more put together in an instant. I know you hear me harp on that a lot, but there's a reason for it. Do me a favor this week. When you are out and about, if you're out and about, just look at people that you see in the stores at Home Depot, eating outside in a restaurant if you get to do that. Look for people who are wearing clothes that fit and then look for people whose clothes do not fit. Notice what a big difference it makes. By the way, this is how I got really good at my job and it was just by people watching. So, you know, don't go up to them and tell them their clothes are too big, but it is a really great way to hone your own style is to always be people watching others. Now, the other part of this tip is condition. I'm going to be really honest with you and tell you I do not invest in summer clothes very often. And a big reason for that is that summer clothes just don't hold up that well. The fabrics are often lighter and thinner. And in summer, it seems like clothes get worn a little bit harder, if you know what I mean. Your white t-shirts are going to get stained no matter how much you spend on them. So rather than investing a good one that'll last you a long time and you will hate replacing... Find one that looks nice, but that you won't mind replacing when it looks worn. When your cotton items have faded, replace them. When your knits get pilled beyond repair, replace them. Condition makes a huge difference in summer. All right, second, beware of what I call wilty fabrics. Often summer fabrics look great when you put them on right out of the dryer or right out of the closet, but after a few minutes in the heat or just moving around, they begin to stretch, wrinkle, and wilt. We talked about slub knit fabric a couple of weeks ago, and that's a good example, but lots of natural fiber like cotton and linen, a lot of summer fabrics will lose their shape as well. It's important not to buy these items too big because they will grow and you should anticipate that. And another tip is not to wear a top that will lose structure with bottoms that lose structure. Pair that slub knit tee with a pair of denim shorts. 
or pair those linen pants with a chambray tank. That way, at least one part of your outfit stays nice and the whole outfit doesn't look worn out. Speaking of linen, there is nothing you can do about the wrinkles. Either embrace them or don't wear linen. It is that simple. Do not spend your time trying to figure out how not to wrinkle linen. But don't pair an oversized linen top with wide leg linen pants. That is a recipe for frump salad. You will look wrinkled and wilty in a heartbeat. My third tip is to put interest on the bottom. Yes, of course, you can wear a bright or patterned top and basic shorts, but it is much more interesting to wear a basic top and statement bottoms. This is one way to add style back into your wardrobe when you don't want to accessorize or layer and you've only got a couple pieces to work with. Don't be afraid to go for a bright skirt or gingham shorts, or if you're afraid of pattern shorts, look for lightweight fluid pants in a cool pattern. I think this really works because it's unexpected. We see women with statement bottoms and think, oh, I wish I had something like that in my wardrobe. But since most women just default to basic bottoms, it's an easy way to look more interesting. Every single body shape can do this. So often women who don't like their lower halves think they just have to stick with the basics, but that's not true. Granted, maybe you don't want to wear neon yellow short shorts, but you could be wearing a pink maxi skirt or a pair of vertical stripe wide leg linen pants. There is a way for every single person to flip the script and put the interest on the bottom. Tip number four is to up-level the things that you have to wear. You have to wear shoes, right? So instead of cheap flip-flops, why not invest in a nice pair of comfortable slip-on sandals like the Birkenstock Giza style or the Lulu style from FitFlop? I'll link to both of those in the show notes, and you can find styles in all price points. But my point is that when you replace items that do nothing for your style with items you have to wear that also add to your look, you look more put together and stylish. Be intentional about your summer handbag as well. Look for something with interesting color or texture like a straw tote. Also, beware of the oversized slouchy bag in the summer. It can contribute to the wilted outfit effect. If you need to slap a ton of stuff in the summer, Grab a sleek backpack bag that will keep you hands-free. It'll give you lots of room, but it'll also look a little bit more polished. I will link to my favorite in the, in the show notes. And then use a cute clutch when you just need the essentials rather than toting a big, slouchy, wintry bag around. Finally, tip number five is to change up your beauty routine. And I know this one isn't wardrobe related, but a lot of women forget to do this and it does not help your look in the summer. Your hair may need different products in the summer than it does in the winter, and your makeup should absolutely be changed up. Put away the matte lipsticks and pull out glosses and semi-sheer formulas. Look for waterproof mascaras and eyeliners that won't run in the worst of the humidity or when you're sweaty. Nothing worse than those raccoon eyes. And swap out your regular foundation for a tinted moisturizer. Also, summer is a great time to try brighter shades that may feel out of place in the other seasons, and they'll help you give your look a little bit of pop and polish. Again, I'll throw a few of my favorites in the show notes on our website, but don't forget to go lighter and brighter for your summer look and change up your hair and beauty routines. While I can't keep you from getting sweaty and shiny when it is 100 degrees and humid, I hope that these simple tips will help you feel polished and put together all summer long. Head to the show notes at youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 55 for links and examples of all the things that we have talked about today. 
Your homework for this week, if you choose to do it, is to try a basic top with statement bottoms. And for extra credit, post a picture on our Facebook page or on your Instagram. And don't forget to tag Everyday Style with Jen. We want to see the looks that you guys have come up with. All right, that is it, everyone. I will see you Monday with Office Hours. And as we head out, I wanted to share what listener Lorna had to say about our Office Hours episode on saving style for special occasions. I absolutely love hearing from you. And you can find our voice message app right on our podcast page on our website if you would love to share your thoughts. And thank you for sharing, Lorna. I'll let you take it away. Hey, Jen, how are you? This is Lorna. And I just wanted to say I love the Office Hours question today from Rachel. And I pretty much could tick off every single one of those things about um, special occasion, not wanting to wear it out, not wanting to ruin it. So once again, hit the mark completely on point and um, just really enjoyed it. So just wanted to let you know. Thank you. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. Thank you. Bye. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.